online today we're we're gathering online and and I just want to take a second we're a couple minutes away from from starting today and wherever you're watching this just know that we love you and that we're praying for you and that God is with us and that we're super 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 excited we're making plans to be back in person soon and the doors are going to be open and believe me it's going to be a party and so just as we uh, wind down and we get ready to start the service today, just know that God is with us. And as we enter into this time of worship here in a, in a second, uh, let's focus on who God is. Let's give him the praise and let's shout it out. If we're watching in our kitchen, if we're watching in the living room, if you're in the office, wherever you're, if you're at work, wherever you're tuning in today, uh, let's just give God the praise as we worship him.
side. So heaven is real and death is a lie. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one. Hallelujah. Holy, holy.
Amen, amen. Would you guys pray with me as we continue on? Lord, thank you for the truth in those songs. God, you are the great I am. Lord, what a powerful, powerful song. Lord, to, to declare that you are king of kings, Lord, to think of David in, in the Psalms, Lord, crying out to you, saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? And I think some of us can relate to that, God. But God, at the end of that psalm, Lord, at the end of that psalm, he says, you are king of this kingdom, and the generations to come will proclaim your majesty, Lord, your truth. God, we can sit in all the things that we have in this world and, and recognize our schedules and the conflicts and the good, the bad, and all that. But God, when we truly sit back and recognize that you are God, Emmanuel, God is with us, Lord, we can sit back and we can praise you. Lord, we can set aside all that is going on and we can praise you, Lord. We are praising you in this place this morning. Jesus, you are the King of Kings and we love you so much in your name. Amen. Have a seat, church. Good to be with you. Glad you're all here. You guys excited to be alive today? Yeah. Hey, I want to say thank you for those of us who are, are joining, uh, are visiting this morning. Please stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. And if you're online, please let us know you're, you're visiting and we'd love to connect with you online. But hey, we have... Listen, I, we had a, a group come up this week to to, um, to help with the lights, and they were saying how they could not get over, the, like, the traffic in and out of this place during the week. And I thought, isn't that a cool thing, like, that the church is busy? Isn't that cool? Can we thank God that God, that I, like, we're just, he's using us. Isn't that powerful? I remember when Ken shared that with me, I'm like, that's a, that's a really cool insight, you know. Man, I love that. The doors, like, almost don't even get to shut. Because there's kids coming in, there's, there's students, there's adults, there's groups, there's, you know, work crews, there's just stuff that's happening. I thank God we're busy. You know, I thank God that we're busy. And so listen, I want to share with you Wednesday nights. So we have uh, men's and women's groups that are on, Sun, on, on Wednesday nights at 630. So the men, uh, we're studying uh, Tony Evans' study, a Kingdom Man. So uh, Pastor Ken is leading this group. It starts at 630. And... Uh, there was just lots of excitement coming out of that group on Wednesday, as well as the women's group. They're studying, uh, doing a study called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Uh, Nancy Baker is leading that group, and so uh, that's going to be uh, on 630, uh, 6.30 on Wednesday nights as well. And then we also have kids ministry, and then our middle school meets on Wednesday night as well. And so please uh, check out those groups on Wednesday nights at 6.30. And then also you probably started to hear us talk about something called C-Groups. C groups are what we used to call life groups, and so we're rebranding them and just making them, you know, we want our, our church to become smaller. We want people to be in, in groups, to be, you know, connecting with other people and growing together. And so you're going to be hearing about this as the weeks go on, but C groups are three to four people meet regularly with the sole purpose of getting to know each other and growing in the Lord. So you're going to hear more about this, but you can check out our website if you have any questions or stop by the Welcome Center. And then I also want to let you know about Trunk and Treat. It's happening, people. It's in October, so this is going to be the 27th of October. It's a Wednesday night, and so you can go ahead and sign up that 1st of October. But invite your friends, invite people to come with you, and then we also are looking for people from our church to jump on to the team to serve. And so what serving looks like at Trunk and Treat is bringing your trunk and decorating your trunk and handing out candy to the kids that come up and just being uh, the hands and feet of Jesus. And I feel like it's a big party we have here in the parking lot, and we invite the community to come up and just give them a glimpse of what it is to be the body of Christ. And so uh, that's going to be on the 27th of October. But it's, again, excited to be busy. I love it. It's so, it's so good this time. So, hey, uh, would you guys pray with me as we continue on this morning? Lord, thank you, uh, God, just for the, 
the faithfulness of your people, Lord, as we um, just continue to ask you every day, what is it you have for us today? Lord, you've got um, just all the things that are happening on Wednesdays. We have, uh, Lord, just uh, the things in our own schedules. God, we have um, students and children and men's and women's groups, and we have trunk and treat coming up, God, and we have all this. And, and Lord, we also know that amidst all the craziness and even the things that are going on in our own personal lives, uh, God, we are continuing to ask you, what is it you would have for us? And, Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people, Lord, as, uh, Lord, uh, as we give, um, Lord, as we give uh, to um, God, not just a, a box, Lord, we give of what you've given us, Lord, with a cheerful heart, we give back to you, uh, Lord, because we want to see people's lives touched by Jesus. That's why we give. And so, Lord, thank you for the faithfulness of your people in giving. And, Lord, for all these events and all these things that are coming up, Lord, we pray that in all these things, God, that our church would continue to um, draw near to you as we do all these things. These, these events and programs are nothing more than excuses, Lord, for us to get together, to spend time with each other, and to keep challenging and keeping each other accountable as we grow to love you more and more. Um, so, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this group. And we uh, just leave everything at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen.
a great weekend. Amen? Man, a day. Let's thank God. What a great, great weekend. I, I also want to remind you folks that are staying, we have a, a new members class today, Next Steps class. It'll be downstairs in the canopy room 15 minutes after the service. So we never give it time because I never end on time. That's why. All right. So 15 minutes after the service, we're looking forward to that. And I keep hearing a bunch of you that are going to be there. Looking forward to spending some time and just hanging out with you folks. But uh, we're, we're thankful for all that God's doing in the church. God's been moving in some mighty ways, hasn't he? God is just uh, doing incredible things, and I want to thank God. He's just, uh, he, he is, he's good. He's always good, always good. Amen. We've been on our series here uh, for, the, uh, the, for the last half a year on the book of Mark, and, uh, and we have taken verse by verse and just looking at what is God teaching us. What is he showing us through the person of Jesus? Last week we ended up where Jesus had a, he had a teaching time. And what he did was he pulled up a chair. He just kind of sat down with his disciples. Remember the disciples, they were, uh, they were arguing over who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God. There's only 12 of us. And whenever Jesus sets up his kingdom, who's going to be number one? Who's going to be, who's going to be number two? Who's, who's going to be helping? Who's going to be the closest to the king? And remember we said last week that they already counted Peter as number 12 when Jesus says, looks at you and says, get behind me, Satan. You're number 12. You're at the bottom of the list, right? So Peter's at the bottom of the list. And so uh, he sits there. And what he does, I want to remind you this. We looked at this with our men's group this week. Jesus didn't really reprimand them for wanting to be great. He redefined greatness. Now catch that, folks. You were designed. God called you to be great, but not according to how the world says God designed you to serve Him, to honor Him. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents. He's given you passions. And He wants you to use them for His honor and glory. So last week we looked at this. Jesus came and He said, If you want to be great, you serve the least, the very last. You go to not the last, you go to the very last. He pulled up a child in the middle. and He puts a child in the middle. He says, If you want to be great, you serve this person here who can give you nothing back. You go and you look at this little child that, that, that can't give you uh, recognition, can't build your uh, self-esteem, can't give you any money, can't, can't make you famous, nothing. You go serve this person. And he says, this is what I want you to do. So it was a principle that we apply as we go into our life. If you want to be great, you go serve the least. To the least of these, you've done it unto me. And so as we continue on here, remember, they're sitting around and, and, and Jesus is teaching. It's the 12 disciples. So this is a, he's not preaching. He's not exhorting. He is simply, he's not even reprimanding. He's mentoring and he's teaching. It's the rabbi's teaching. So this isn't to the masses. This is to a select few, to the 12. Today's message is to you, a follower of Jesus Christ. This is not to the, to the world at large. This is to you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to tune in because there's some, some pretty powerful stuff that Jesus teaches his disciples in this moment of teaching about greatness. As he's talking about greatness, John asked him in verse 38, Teacher, Mark 9:38, Teacher said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. And look how Jesus answers and responds to him. Verse 39, Do not stop him, Jesus said, for no one, no, for no one who does a miracle in my name can, uh, can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Pretty powerful statement. That guy out there who's, uh, who you don't know, but he's doing it in my name, 
He is for us. He is not against us. Verse 40, he continues on. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. So he talks about this, uh, this interesting dynamic, and what he is trying to say here is this, is that the family of God is bigger than me. That's the first point in your notes today. God's family is bigger than me. As you look at your family, uh, the family of God, you've got to understand that it is bigger than you. It's bigger than your likes, your dislikes. It's bigger than our church. It's bigger than our style. You know, every church has a style. Have you ever noticed that? We have our own style here, you know. We, we, uh, we, you know we're styling and profiling in Finleyville, right? We are, we've, we've got it going. We're doing what God's called us to do because we're the cool people, right? And so if you come to our church, you go to the cool church, right? But I want you to catch this out. There's a lot of cool churches out there that worship differently than you. I know some churches that won't allow any instruments in their church, only voices. Now, those are for the chosen few. You know what I mean? Like the people who can sing. You don't put me in the mix of that. I need the instruments to drown out my voice. You know what I'm saying? Uh, listen, there are some churches that will do that, and, and they love God. They're passionately pursuing Jesus. And God says, they're, they're on my team. Just because they're different than you doesn't mean that, that they're not on my team. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of disagreements within Christianity. Have you ever noticed that? Christians that love to disagree. Um, we have we have denominations. Have you noticed that denominations? Like we started out following Jesus, and now there's like every form of everything out there. And so sometimes we divide over what we disagree on. And so here here's here's the deal: if we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, we're sinners and we need a savior, and Jesus is the only savior. He is the perfect Son of God. He lived a holy, blameless life. He died on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you can agree to that, we are family. Amen? Let's thank God for that, okay? We are family. The rest is, is stuff that we've got to deal with. My wife grew up in a church where when they baptized you, they baptized you three times in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then they went down and they would wash feet in the basement. I was so glad I didn't go to that church. <laughs> Could you imagine? My wife was like, if she would have met me, she would have never married me. You know, she met my toes later on. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, if you had to meet my toes in the middle of church, you wouldn't be too happy, right? Um, you know, talk about baptizing. I, I know some denominations that are split over that. Should we baptize them forward or backwards? Like, this is legitimate arguments out there. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forward, or in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit backwards? I'm glad I only get to take you down once. Okay? I've had a few requests, would you hold them down a little longer, but I've never had a request to take them down. Okay? My point is, look, those are not things worth dividing over. And there's so much uh, that, that, that we've got to understand. The family of God is bigger. The, here, was, here was a guy that was out doing miracles in the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, he's on our same team, guys. Don't pick on him. We've got, we've got, we've got to cast out demons. We've got bigger fish to fry. And, and, you know, and John's worried, well, you know, he wants to be number 13, but, you know, Peter's number 12. 
we've we got to figure this thing out. And so, so as, he, as he goes through this, this issue here, Jesus says, listen, I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in the name of the Lord belongs to Christ. He'll certainly not lose his reward. Just because he's not, just because we don't understand each other. When I go all around the world in, uh, on missions trips, I get to see this. I get to see the differences across the culture. Man, you know, they do things differently in, in Ecuador. They do communion differently. They do everything different. Um, I, I've been in some churches that have communion every Sunday. I've been in other churches that are like us. We do it kind of quarterly. We do it on special events. And, uh, and you, you have everything in between. And so there's so many things that, that, that are just style, that are not something worth dividing over. So God's family is bigger than me. I want to encourage you to think about this here as he continues on. Jesus says, not only should you not pick on them, but let me tell you, and he gives you some guidance here about what really is important. So don't be bothered by the guy who's ministering. Don't cause anybody to stumble. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. So he's sitting on the stool, and he had this little child. He said, if you want to be great, you serve this little child. Oh, John says, but hey, listen, there's, so, there's somebody out there, and he's not on our team. We told him to stop. Jesus says, don't tell him to stop. Listen, he's got his reward in heaven. Relax. It, 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 we're on the same team here. But let me explain this to you again, John and Peter and James. Let, let me explain this to you, boys. Whoever comes against one of these little ones who, who believe in me, Whoever causes them to stumble, who offends them, the word there is is scandal. Whoever makes a trap and causes them to be offended, causes them to walk away from God. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones to walk away, these little ones who believe in me, they follow me. You know, you look at a child, you go downstairs right now, it's a precious thing, isn't it? I love our children's ministry. Thanks be to God for our children's ministry. I just praise, I pray for them, and I thank God for them on a regular basis. Um, they are the unsung heroes of the church. It is hard to go down there. It really is. Listen, and to do it every week. It's, you know, like for, you do it once in a while. You go down every week. There's people. I look, here's Lori, Lori over here. She, she's down there every week, every week. You were down there the first hour, right? She's down there the first hour. Give her a hand, man. Thank God for Lori, you know? Uh, Dan McNeese, you've been, you've been ministering to children downstairs for how long? How long have you done that down there? Se- that's all, just 17 years. Yeah, thank God for this guy, all right? So, some of those kids that were in his second grade class are going to college now, and it's, it's incredible. And, you know, that's not easy, but he's faithful. And, and listen, there's a tremendous privilege we have to point those little kids to Christ. And as we see those little kids, Jesus is giving us a warning here. He says, don't cause them to walk away from me. Don't cause them to walk away from me. And, 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 and listen, I'm going to take this application to a bigger application than just a child. The little ones, many scholars believe he was not just only referring to a child or to your child in your home, to children in general, but also to little ones in faith. Like there's somebody who's walking in faith and they're, and they're little in faith. Do not cause them. Do not pick on them and cause them to stumble and to fall. Do not set a trap. Do not make it hard for them to follow me. Whoever causes one of these little ones 
who believe in me to stumble. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. Here's a picture of a millstone. They would put a millstone and a donkey would actually take it and would spin it around. And they'd walk that donkey in a circle and they'd put grain underneath the millstone. And so you see this big old millstone. He says, Jesus says, now he doesn't say we're going to do this to you. He says it would be better. He says, that's how much value I have for those who follow me. That you would not offend one who would be my follower, whether it's a, a little one in the faith or a little one. He says, listen, I want you to understand. It would be better for you to be thrown over into the sea. And this was a picture because that was a, a, form, of, uh, a form of this uh, punishment in, in their day. That, like on occasion they would throw somebody into the sea. One of the things that they believed was that uh, the people of that day believed that, you know, if you, were, if you were tossed out and dead at sea, you wouldn't have, uh, there'd be no hope for your eternity. And so Jesus takes this picture and he says, listen, it would be better for you just to be tossed into the sea and, and, and you, you'd suffocate. And, and I want to I encourage you because as we understand this and we see the, the little ones to fall away from their faith, whether it's a little one in faith or literally a child, and uh, God's given us tremendous responsibility, folks, as parents. And there, there is no guarantee of the outcome. I want you to know that, folks. We do our best, and God does the rest. Amen? There's no guarantee. I, I, I have uh, for years watched in my own life and watched in the life of many of my friends and pastors all over this country. There's no guarantee what will happen in your family. Oh, we want, we want to go there, but listen, there is no guarantee we plant the seed and God gives the increase. Amen? God has to do that. So we, we're reliant on God. But there's a couple things here I want to throw at you here. What causes little ones to stumble? In your notes this morning, what would cause a little one to stumble? Whether it's a little one in the faith or a little one in my house. Okay? I'm going to give you this here. Um, number one, I will call it overbearing. The scripture says that for us as dads not to be overbearing and I would define it as this, truth without love. You know, I can give you truth. You know, if I come up to you and say, hey, you got bad breath, that's, that's truth. You got bad breath, right? If I come up to you and say, you got bad breath, you smell, get out of my face, that's truth without love. If I come up to you and say, you got bad breath, here's a lifesaver, that's truth with love, right? You see, you see the difference? See how that works? And so as you're, as you're training your children, as we're training our families, we're training the family of God, new believers coming to Christ. We have gentleness, we have kindness, and we come along and we give them truth with love. I think it's important to understand Colossians 3, 20 and 21. 3, 20 says, children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Colossians 3, 21 says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, you ever, you ever get a child discouraged, that's a good way to do it is by provoking them. Uh, other translations use the word embitter. Don't embitter your children. Um, don't enrage. Don't uh, anger. You know, like provoke. Keep hitting the buttons on them. And so for us as, as adults, this is a big lesson for how you treat your children. So I want to encourage your parents as you're dealing with your children to treat them, give them truth, but give it to them with love. And so this doesn't mean that we're never firm. That doesn't mean that we're never, um, 
never have discipline, but it means that it's important that we, we're not doing this with the wrong attitude. And listen, I'm a dad. I'm guilty of that. I've done it many times. Thanks be to God for the forgiveness that God brings us. Amen? Like God didn't say, hey, I'm going to give your kids a perfect dad. He didn't give my kids a perfect dad. He gave me. And thanks be to God. I'm so thankful for those kids. I give them everything I got. The rest is up to God. I can't do anything more. And so I've stumbled. I've fallen. And God says, listen, I give the increase. And God redeems. I want you to catch this. If, if you look back at yesterday and you say, man, yeah, I look at a time I provoked my kids. And yeah, this was hard. I was being truthful but not loving. God still redeems. Remember, God is the redeemer. God didn't say, here's the perfect equation. If you do this equation right, you'll get what you want. No, no. God says, listen, I'm equipping you. This is my word. And as God quickens your heart and grows your heart as you grow, listen, God uses the dad later in life. God uses the dad at the end of life. And God uses the dad after our life. You know, I've often said that, um, you know, whenever you love your kids, you're going to discipline them. So, But we have to discipline them with love. Uh, Colossians, uh, that's Colossians 3.20, says there, don't provoke, um, don't embitter. Uh, The the next thing to do, what what else could we do that would cause our children to stumble is this word indifference. And so indifference is this, is love without truth. So the other, so on one extreme you have truth without love. The other extreme is love without truth. So I'm just going to love them. I'm going to give them everything that they want. And, you know, maybe they'll follow God. It'll be up to them. I'll let them decide. Uh, you know, so if they want to go to church, they can go to church. And what, 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 wait a minute. You, you're going to let your kid decide if they're going to follow God, but they don't have a choice whether or not to go to school tomorrow? Like, that's not an option. Like, you see, that's love without truth. And so if you're coming and you're just giving this love without truth, that's just kind of indifference. I'm, oh, I just want them to be happy. I want everything to be okay. Parents, I want to encourage you. God is not an option in our house, and it shouldn't be an option in your house. Praying over your dinner is not an option. Um, and, and, and you don't do it with anger. You, you know, I don't get up and say, hey, we will pray over our dinner. Uh, that would be ignorant, wouldn't it? Just say, hey, can we pause for a moment? And you let them see your life. And so Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Did you catch that? Train up a child. Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old. Now, this is a principle. This is not a promise. Proverbs gives you the godly principles here. He says, train up a child in the way he should go. In other words, if you're planting apples, apple seeds, you should get an apple tree. Train up the child. And when he is old, it doesn't mean that he'll never take a detour. It doesn't mean that you won't have heartaches and that you won't be broken. It says when he is old. And for some parents, this happens when they're real old. But I want you to know today that God is with you and he will redeem all of this. But I want to encourage you, train up your children, folks. Don't take it lightly. Give it to them. But as we do it, we train, but with godliness. We train, but without, without, without anger, without embittering. So there's a balance to this. And, man, I've screwed this up a lot. But God is the only one who can give the increase. Listen, God doesn't say, hey, because you were such a good parent, your kids are going to do this. No. God says, I'm still God. 
I, listen, I, I came from a home where there was no nothing. It wasn't too good. My mom was the saving grace of my family. I can say that because she's not in here this morning. Okay? We, we didn't have the best of situations. We had anger. We had problems. But I'll tell you what. God decided to reach into my family, and for whatever reason, he got a hold of my heart. And it's not because of something that I did. I, I've, got, I've got stuff to deal with, folks. And so does your family. And so, listen, in every, every family, there's, don't they call them skeletons or something? Man, we, we got dinosaurs in our family. We got all kind of stuff. But I want you to know that God overcomes it. Amen? And that's what God will do in your family as well. Uh, Proverbs thirteen twenty four: Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Um, listen, your children need discipline. And this isn't talking about whether or not you should use a spoon, by the way. Okay? Some, I know that's a big debate. Should I use a spoon or not? Um, listen, discipline is discipline. If you use a spoon or not, it's discipline. I'll never forget one of my favorite teachers of all time over at South Hills Christian School. Her name was Mrs. Smith, Rhonda Smith. And uh, she would do something to us when we were bad over there in school. There was no rod with Mrs. Smith. She had a pencil. And she'd go over to the corner and she drew a circle. And she said, okay, you didn't do your homework or whatever. You have to stand in the corner with your nose in that circle that she drew. And you know what Mrs. Smith would do? She'd make it so I was on my tiptoes. I swear, I think it was fourth grade, I almost became a ballerina. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was just like unbelievable. So she, she, yeah, listen, she taught, she disciplined me. And I want to encourage you as parents in your world today, discipline your children and, uh, and, and work it with love, though. You see, don't give truth without love and don't give love without truth. And then thirdly is hypocrisy. You know, um, I, I would call this, uh, you know, there's overbearing, there's indifferent, and then there's inconsistent. You know, you, you, tell, you tell your kid to be honest, and then, you know, when the phone rings, tell him I'm not here, <laughs> you know. It's like, I'm going to be honest, but tell that guy I'm not here, right? Um, you know, I'm going to be honest, but I can, you know, over here it's okay to steal to do this as long as, you know, we do this as long as nobody sees us. And all those type of things are inconsistent, and we all have them. If you're a Christian, you know, people accuse Christians of being hypocrites. Yeah, well, it's true. We all have a degree of hypocrisy. We have a goal in life that we don't follow through on. And I am I'm the king of that. I mean, there's many goals that I have that I haven't followed through on. But I'm still working. I'm a work in progress, and so are you. And so God isn't looking for a perfect parent. God isn't looking for perfect Christians. He didn't make any. He made us all forgiven. And so as I forget, listen, there's things that I come back and, you know, from time to time you have to come back and you have to apologize. You have to apologize to your family. Apologize to your wife. Apologize to your kid. Th- those are hard. It's hard enough to apologize to your wife. You'll own to your child, isn't it? You know, and so there, there are times that you have to come back and we have to do that. And, and what God does, he works through that humility, through that humbleness. And God can do that. But, but I want you to catch this because this isn't just a child in your home. This isn't just a child in the church. It's anyone who's little in the faith. So any of these things, listen, I can be overbearing with somebody. I can be underbearing. I can, I can just, just not, 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 not care at all. And Well, I love it. And, you know, the Bible says you have to care to confront and I'll be honest with you, confrontation nobody likes, do they? Oh, yeah, we like to confront it when you're winning a million bucks. But nobody wants to confront whenever you got bad breath. 
And so, you know, just, just, just amazing how God's called us to do that. So I want to encourage us as a church, let's, let's be conscious of this. Because I think the millstone that he's talking about there is the pain of watching those that you love walk away from God. Watching whether it's somebody in the church or somebody in your family. When you watch that, it, 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 it's like, oh, God, I just want them to love you. There's never been a person ever that I've seen walk away from God that I haven't shed a tear on. Ever. And it's like suffocation. And when my mind goes to that, and I've watched different people throughout the years and in my life and in my friendships and, and, in, and, and just in church world in general, you see somebody that was once on fire for God and now they're walking far away from God. Man, it, that's like suffocation. It really is. It's like, it's like the drag on us is so painful. It hurts you. It hurts everybody. And, and so I want to encourage us as we, as we function in our life, uh, we've got to be conscious of the little ones. Not to scandalize them, not to not to cause them to stumble, not to not to be truth without love. And and listen, I go back and forth. Sometimes I have all truth and no love, and other times I have all love and no truth. I mean, just oh, I want you to feel good, I want you to be happy. And so, and then there's other times that man, we're just we're just we're just not the same. I want to encourage you. We're all struggling in these areas. He continues on now. He moves from this. He's talking about what causes a little one to stumble. Look at this. He continues on. He says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Uh, This was a pretty fun study up until today, wasn't it? (laughs) If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He starts into this, it's called a hyperbole. He takes two, uh, two issues and he's showing you contrasting and he's showing you some exaggeration here. He says, it'd be better for you if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He goes to the second one. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And then not only is it a hyperbole, but he goes into this. It was a common in Jewish, Jewish teaching and Jewish literature. If you use something in threes, it really caught your attention. So the third one, he says, and if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into, the, into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. And so as I read this for years, I was always perplexed. Like, what is he saying? You know, I mean, should we be cutting off limbs? No, he's not talking about that at all. He doesn't say to... You know, he's not saying to literally cut it off. He's saying it would be better than. It would be better than. If you go into the book of Deuteronomy, there's strict law that the Old Testament has about not uh, self-mutilation. So self-mutilation, you don't do that. There was a, uh, one of the church fathers, his name was Orion of Alexander. Alexandria. Orion of Alexandria. You can go look it up. He, he struggled with sin, so he, he did a did something similar and he mutilated a part of his body and it's just like whoa uh, after that they outlawed it 
like the Christians said, you can't do that. That's not what Jesus was talking about here. Jesus was not saying, hey, I want to see everybody coming to church like this, you know, you know, one-eyed, whatever, you know what I mean? He wasn't talking to literally cast your eyes out, you know. Be like, come go to that church. They have spare eyeballs, you know what I mean? Uh, they leave your eyeball at the altar this morning, you know. Uh, no, that's not what he was referring to. He's saying, listen, in this big difference, I want you to catch. And he's talking, and when he talks about hell, the word there is Gehenna. I'll just give you a little background about hell here. Jesus talks about hell. Hell is a real place. We teach it because the Bible teaches it, okay? And if Jesus teaches it. Jesus died, was buried, rose again. I'm going to listen to the guy who rose from the dead, right? So Jesus talks about heaven and he talks about hell. Hell is a very real place. So when he's talking about Gehenna, though, he was referring to a place that the people knew. And he wasn't saying that you're going to go there. When he used the word Gehenna, they all saw this place. On the outside of the, of the wall of Jerusalem, there was a place where uh, King Ahaz had set up false worship. And this was back in the Old Testament. King Ahaz had set up worship to a false god named Moloch. And they would go out there and they would make their sacrifices. They would actually sacrifice children out there. They would burn people, burn their children. Burn, and, and so listen, I believe it was King Ahaz actually sacrificed one of his children out there. And then the king after Ahaz continued it on. And then the next king after that comes up. His name's Josiah. Josiah says, all right, we're stopping that practice. And he condemned that ground. And that ground became the garbage dump. And it was known as Gehenna. And that garbage dump was always on fire. It was always nasty. It was always a terrible place. It was the place that nobody wanted to go to. You know, there's a garbage dump about a mile and a half from the church here. It's nothing like what Gehenna was. That site known as Gehenna was burning. It was nasty. It was miserable. Over here, we got, you know, they're tilling it. They're moving it around, you know. I'm sure there's plenty of worms over there that will never die. But, you know, uh, over here, we're talking fire. You're talking nasty place. And it was a picture. So when he said that, they all, they all re- they understood that. And God is using this. He's contrasting the way of life versus the way of hell. He says, listen, it would be better for you. To enjoy life. And listen, enjoying life does not mean to physically cut off your hand. It means, listen, those sin things that are troubling you, to get rid of those things. I'll say it like this. There are different lures for different fish. You ever go fishing? I love the lure fish. To me, putting the worm on the hook is so boring. I like lure fishing. You know, you put your lure out there and this is what I love. Look at this picture. Yeah, that's my kind of fishing. This never happens on my rod. <laughs> you know? You put that lure out there and you reel that in. You're fishing for bass. You have a special lure for that. If you're fishing for trout, you have a different lure. If you're fishing for carp, you have a chicken nugget. You know, you just throw it out. There. Just put it on there. You know, you get Dale Hensley. Dale knows all this stuff. He knows how to do it right, man. I, one of these days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to come out there. Actually, Dale took me down there one day. We went down Monongahela, down the river, and I caught the biggest fish I ever caught. It was with Dale Hensley. Give him a hand. If you want to know how to fish, you hang out with Dale. Now, you know why? Because Dale knows what, what the fish like to eat. You don't go out there and say, I'm going to put a hook in the water today. You don't put the thing that doesn't tempt the fish out there. You put the one. And what is it about the lure? It's not the lure. It's the appetite of the fish. 
So, you know, if the fish likes chicken nuggets, you know you put out the chicken nugget and the carp's going to bite on it, right? If you want to catch the big fish, you've got to put a bigger lure out there. You've got to put bigger food out. In the, and he knows the appetite of the fish. And so Satan knows your appetite. And for you, your appetite's different than mine. Man, it's just like people eating food, you know? Some of you are gluten-free. Some of us are gluten-full. You know what I mean? It's like everybody has a different appetite out there, right? There's, there's, something, there's something different about you than there is about me. So for you, it may be pride. For me, it may be pride. And Satan throws that lure out there. He says, uh-huh, all right, I'm just going to bring this pride. I'm going to tell people that he's doing. I'm going to tell people to go tell me he's good. I'm going to tell them to really feed that ego. And all of a sudden, you say, yeah, I am somebody. That's your temptation. Over here, there's another guy. He's got a temptation with addiction. So Satan goes over and says, yep, I'm going to get him. I'm going to tell him just one won't hurt him. And I'm going to tell him he can go hang out with his buddies because he got it under control. And Satan reels that in past him. And then over here, this guy, he's got sexual, uh, sexual issues. And, and so Satan throws that over there and says, I'm just going to put this in front of him so he can see it. And there's different lures and there's different things for each one of us. And you know your own weakness. You know your own appetite. You know what you're going to chomp on. And so what do we do about this? Well, there's a few things the Scriptures tell us to do here, um, considering that we understand our appetite. When we are tempted by an internal desire, now catch this, when you're tempted by an internal desire, run. That's what we do. We run from that. So the things I know that, man, I can't get near that with a 10-foot pole, I run from it. I can't get near it with a 10-foot pole. There are other things that don't tempt me at all. I, but from, from the things that do tempt me, i got to run. Like, i got to go the opposite direction. Second Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee from youthful lust. Run from it. And instead of running, uh, instead of just running from it, run to. Look what he says. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Like, like you're being tempted here. He doesn't say, well, go in and say, I got this under control. No, you don't. If you, if you know your weakness, there, there are things that the Old Testament says, remember not the sins of my youth. And you see this over and over again about the sins of your youth. The things that you identified when you were young, let me tell you, they haunt you when you're old. And so he says, run from that, whether you're young or old. Run away from this and pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love. So run away from temptation. And then the second thing is, what about the things that I'm not necessarily tempted to? He says this, he says, uh, when tempted by an external trial, to stand firm. So uh, some things we're running from, other things we're standing firm. In other words... First uh, Peter five eight nine says, "Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, because your adversary, the devil, uh, walks like a like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." Some stand firm. He says, he continues on. He says, "Stand firm." Verse nine: Stand firm, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Folks, you never stand firm in willpower. It's not firm. Willpower is not firm. He says, stand firm in the faith, in Jesus Christ. 
So listen, there's temptation to come at you, things that you didn't even know you're tempted by, things that you think you've got conquered. So we walk away. We know these are our weaknesses over here. Those weaknesses, I run. The other ones that just come at you, you resist and you stand firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings that you're experiencing are experienced by the brotherhood of believers around the world. I want you to think about, to, uh, about the world that we're living in today. We are so tempted to react crazily to this world, are we not? So are my friends in Ecuador. So are my friends in Trinidad. So are my friends in Haiti. They're, they're, they're tempted to, to just lose their minds over all this. And, and God says, listen, I, I, I want you to stand firm in the faith, and I want you to run from temptation, stand firm, knowing that all over the world my people are struggling with the same things. That is very comforting. When I come to church and know that I'm struggling with something, did you ever come in and say, man, I had such a bad week, man. I, I can't believe I'm struggling with this. And, and you hear somebody else say the same thing. You're like, oh, man, I feel better. I, did, I thought I was the only one. I thought that I was the only one who didn't like whatever was going on in our world. And this and that. And, and so we go through that. So we've got to understand we're all going through these temptations. And then he, he says this thing about salt. He says, hey, listen, everybody will be salted with fire. So when you see salt in the Scripture and you see fire, salt and fire were both used in sacrifices. The salt represents the faithfulness of God, and the fire represents the trials, like you see the this, this sacrifice. He continues on. He wraps up this passage here, verse 50. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. So when you think about salt, there's a few things to remember about salt. Number one, salt is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. If you go into Leviticus chapter 2, you'll read about how that when they made a sacrifice to the Lord, they were to put salt on the sacrifice before it was burned up. They would come and they would put salt on it. So it's a reminder. Salt in the Old Testament, think faithfulness of god you've heard of the salt agreements the salt it goes back to the faithfulness of god salt is good um the second thing about salt is it should make a difference in the flavor of the world that we live have you ever gone through the drive-through at mcdonald's and show my gluten this now right have you ever gone through the drive-through at mcdonald's and you ordered a cheeseburger and the fries and they didn't salt the fries Anybody ever had that happen? Okay, three of us. Okay? The rest of you are lying. I'm just kidding. All right. So um, we, we, got the, we got the salt. You know, it's like you start eating this French fries without that salt. It's like you want to roll the window down and throw them back at that lady. You know what I mean? Just like you've got to have salt for them things to taste good. Like McDonald's fries without salt, they're not worth eating. As a matter of fact, you could leave the potato and just take the salt. I think that's what we eat them for, right? Salt improves the flavor. So he says salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace. You know, the, the most sour thing you can do is live at war with each other, be living in conflict, live in disagreement and discord. He says salt is good. Remember the faithfulness of God? And I, I want you to have salt among yourselves. So we're, we're in this big old salt shaker. Right now, you're up here on Sunday morning. It's our salt shaker, right? You know, it's like, man, you're gonna, God, we're going to go out of here, and the salt's going to go out. And we're, we're going to go out to do, we're going to remind the world of the faithfulness of God. 
And we're also, on top of the faithfulness of God, we're supposed to flavor this world. We're supposed to make McDonald's taste decent. That's what it is. And so when you go out into this world and it's like, God, here's what happens. Right now we're living in a world that is divided, 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 more than I've ever been seeing division in my life, right? God says, I want you to go out. I want you to not make more division. I want you to flavor this world. And I want you to remind them of my faithfulness. Yeah, I agree. Listen, this world's nuts right now, guys. And I, I, I'm, listen, sometimes I want to get nuts too. But God's called us to be salt. And I've got to go out there and I've got to take Jesus to this world. And I've got to remind him that God is faithful no matter what's happening in, in, uh, in the White House. Because it's what's happening in God's house that makes a difference. Because it's what's happening here when we go out. We're in the salt shaker. And so we've got to go out there. And I've got to say, hey, listen, that will come and go. Nations come and go. God says, I will last forever. Don't stumble, folks. Be salt. Look, I can cause other people to stumble. I can stumble. Or I can go out and I can say, Lord, help me. And I want to encourage us all as the family of God. This was to the 12 disciples. This is to you. You're my 12 disciples this morning. Let's go out and be salt. Let, let's, let's not create division. Let's not pick fights. I mean, listen, the fights are coming at you anyhow. Don't worry about it. There'll be fights. You want one that's coming. Don't worry. We don't have to go out and, we don't have to go out and find them. We've got to be salt. And we go out there and remind people of the faithfulness of God. And just the very fact of reminding people of God, you will be rejected. And Jesus said to wipe the dust off your feet and keep going. So don't stumble. Be, be salt. Understand the body of Christ is big. There's no need for me to be picking on other preachers or this or that or other churches or, or whatever. Listen, God is bigger than all that. He says, they're on my team. Keep moving towards the goal. Don't cause the little ones, the weak in faith, to stumble. Love them. Do, do what you can do. And God does the rest. And let's go out and flavor this world for Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's do it because God is with you. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to encourage you today. This is a challenging passage. It really is. Because um, because Jesus wasn't telling you what sends you to hell. What sends us to hell is dying without Christ. Our sin separates us from God and the, the holiness of God. And so my sin, so... Should I cut off a hand, an eye, a foot? Well, if that's what he was really talking about, yeah, I wouldn't have any limbs. I wouldn't have anything to stand on. But God says, listen, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relentless pursuit of Jesus. And so if Jesus is really Lord, he wants you to relentlessly pursue him. And so I want to encourage you today. This, This means like, wow, how I act, how I, how I live, what, what happens in my life. God's calling you to, uh, to reevaluate. He wants you to do something for him. He wants you to passionately follow him. And if you're passionately following him, there's probably some things in your life you've got to cut out. Some places you probably can't go to anymore. Some things that you do that you probably shouldn't do anymore. And for you, it's different than it is for me. I don't know what it is, but I know that God can speak to you. And I'm going to let him speak to you about that because there's no list of rules and regulations. It's what it's God talking to you about. Like this is getting in your way of your passionate pursuit of Jesus. Are you ready to do some surgery today? You ready to cut some of those little things out? That's going to take more than two minutes at the end of the service. 
it's going to take some time. You're going to have to go back and surrender your will to the Lord. And, and see, this is where the battle comes, folks. It's, it's my will versus God's will. So I've got to surrender my will to the Lord. I've got to surrender to him and say, okay, God, I, I, I can't, I, I'm struggling with this. And so I'm passionately pursuing you. Help me, Lord, remove these things from my life. Not a physical limb. It's an area he wants to change. Father God, be with each person, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. God, I know that you're doing some powerful things in all of our lives. Lord, we've come together today. We've worshipped you. We've honored you. And we've just been studying your word, Lord. And it's so powerful to see what you teach, what you were teaching the disciples, how you were mentoring us, how you're growing us. Lord, I thank you that you redeem us, Lord. God, there's things about yesterday that we could all want to go back and change. But, Lord, you redeem even my mistakes. Thanks be to God that you are God and I am not. Thank you, Lord, that uh, the way you choose to work is based upon your hand, not upon my goodness or my hand. It's based upon what you've decided to do. So, God, I pray that you'll be with each one of us, Lord. We're, this, has, this message has hit all of us. There's areas of our life where we stumble and Areas that we cause other people to stumble. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us as we walk out of here that we'll not live in a a world of uh, rules and regulations and legalism, but to walk in faith and walk in the Spirit of the Lord and, and let you give us that love that can transform those around us. Lord, use us to be salt and light in this dark world. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we close in a song and worship our Lord as we head out. On behalf of Crossroads, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. Please go in peace. You are dismissed.
Chill blows away and bonfire fire.